from deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. From the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this extremely special edition of the show. I don't think we've ever done this before. We? You got a frog in your pocket? But um, this week demands it. A two-part Apologies of the Week, because otherwise I'd just be half an hour of apologies. So 
Here we go for part one of the Apologies of the Week. It's like an Apollo-demic. No, no, it's not. Dateline Darlington, South Carolina. Darlington County's schools superintendent has apologized to Dynasia Clark. Or Dynasia. You got your pick. She was not allowed to walk in her high school graduation because she violated the dress code. Now I know we got a lot of serious issues to grapple with at this time in this country. This one has bugged me since I was a kid in school. It's like, really? Why do you get to tell me? Much like the um, the old-fashioned restaurants, which used to have uh, a dress code. I always think, if you want to tell me how I'm going to dress in your restaurant, you pay me to come in. Anyway, back to Darlington, South Carolina. Dinasia Clark is a senior from Lamar High School, like most high school students. She was looking forward to her graduation. She was getting prepared to walk the stage. Before she was able to take her seat, she was told she was not allowed to walk because she was wearing pants. Oh, you know what that means. Being openly gay. She wanted to feel comfortable in her skin as she experienced the moment. I didn't think it would be that big of a deal because we're already here. We're already fixing to walk, but now I can't go because of a dress code. The school had put in place a dress code for the event. It required girls to wear a dress. The district superintendent said the dress code is extremely regrettable, and this circumstance has led to significant change throughout the county school district. He added they've reached out to Clark to apologize and assure her that her actions have led to positive change district-wide. I appreciate our student for bringing her concern to our attention. The Darlington County School District recognizes that the dress code rule is not consistent with our commitment to being inclusive for all students. This practice has been eliminated effective immediately. And we only waited how long since I was in school. The spokesman for Mayor Byron Brown, the Buffalo Police Department and other city agencies, apologized this week for a statement he, the mayor, emailed to media saying that a protester who was pushed to the ground as police were clearing the front of City Hall after curfew, quote, tripped and fell during a skirmish involving protesters, unquote. Local NPR station posted a video a short time later in which officers were clearly seen pushing the man as they advanced. Police confirmed about two hours later they had suspended the officers and had begun an investigation. The director of communications for the city of Buffalo said in a statement, let me offer a wholehearted apology for the initial misinformation that was sent out last night. I was obviously working with incomplete details during what was a very fast-moving and fluid situation. I would never purposely mislead the media or our residents, unquote. The mayor acknowledged the misinformation the next day. I will be the first to say the initial communication was a breakdown. It was an error, he said at a news conference. The mayor addressed questions about why Michael DeGeorge speaks for both the mayor's office and the police department. He said that has been done as a cost-saving measure, but, but, quote, it's clear that something was amiss last night, unquote. This is a moment, ladies and gentlemen, when, among other things, we learned that police departments and their supporters don't always tell the truth. 
The chief of the Lincoln, Illinois Fire Department issued a written apology Thursday for sharing a Facebook post that said Trump supporters would blow the heads off looters. Chief Bob Dunofsky said the decision to share the post was, quote, made in haste and without much thought, unquote, and he didn't have any, any ill intent when he did it. Quote, today in the world of social media, what one may find cute or amusing or even funny can conversely be found offensive or hurtful by others. He wrote in his apology, quote, I'm sorry and I apologize for the nature of said posts. The apology was addressed to the mayor, city council members, and the citizens. The uh, post that was forwarded by the police chief said, if blank hits the fan and you decide to start robbing people, you might want to start with the houses that have Bernie Biden 2020 signs. They don't believe in guns. Those Trump supporters will blow your worthless head off. Donofsky said he used his personal Facebook page when he shared the item. I'm a Second Amendment person. Things that get posted on my Facebook page are pro-Second Amendment, he said. Donofsky called it just a meme that was posted from another gentleman. You know, when you're strolling through Facebook, you hastily, without thinking, sometimes share something. That's what happened. There was never any intent whatsoever to suggest that somebody should go looting and go to somebody's house because of their political bias. That's not what the intent was. The intent was about guns. Okay, baby, you're off the hook. Deadline Detroit Governor of Michigan Gretchen Whitmer apologized to hairstylists and barbers for comments she made earlier this week suggesting people could Google how to cut their hair in the midst of the pandemic and the prohibition on haircuts relating thereto. Whitmer said it was an offhand comment and not meant as an insult to the profession. I didn't mean to offend people who are in the profession. I think it's important. I think that it's licensed for a reason. These are professionals who take it seriously and intimately interact with the public, and that's why we have to take this very seriously about how we proceed to keep people safe. So if my comment offended anyone, I apologize for that. An if apology, of course. Her apology came three days after she announced the lifting of her stay-at-home order for most businesses, but excluded hair salons, barbers, fitness centers... And cinemas. You got what do you got against movies? After a significant backlash greeted his decision to end stipends to major leaguers, the owner of the Oakland Athletics, I'm sorry, the A's, John Fisher, reversed course in a conversation with the San Francisco Chronicle. I changed my mind after spending a lot of time talking to our team, he said. I concluded I'd made a mistake. Fisher is worth two point two billion dollars. According to Forbes, he apologized for halting the $400 a week payments to the players on the minor league teams associated with the A's, pledged to continue the stipends through the rest of what have been the minor league season. Oh, but that's... No, it's not over yet. The players will also be paid retroactively for the week that they weren't paid for prospectively. We clearly got this decision wrong, he said. These players represent our future, and we will immediately begin paying our minor league players. I take responsibility, and I'm making it right. Unquote. Otherwise, when they graduate to the majors, they'll move to get traded away, won't they? TikTok has said it's sorry after users complained that posts with the hashtags Black Lives Matter and George Floyd were shown to have zero views. Users questioned why the app owned by a Chinese company, was suppressing the hashtags as protests swept across the world, not just the United States. 
see the, the uh, story this weekend? Protest in London and a police officer involved fell off his horse. A number of users on TikTok changed their profile pictures to a raised black fist. Several told others who unfollow TikTok users that are against the protest. We acknowledge and apologize to our black creators and community who have felt unsafe, unsupported, or suppressed, wrote TikTok's general manager for the U.S. and the director of the creator community, Kudzi Chikumbu, in a blog post. The issue was... It was a technical thing, they say. And of course we believe them. Because it's TikTok. The protracted debate in the NFL over players protesting racial injustice during the national anthem reignited as President Trump this week rekindled his war with the league over the issue and the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, issued his strongest support yet for the players seeking to fight racism and police brutality. Goodell said he apologized for not listening to the concerns of African-American players earlier and said he supports the players' right to protest peacefully. Four years ago, Colin Kaepernick started the movement within the league when he knelt during the anthem to call attention to racial justice, racial injustice and violence by the police. No team has offered him a contract since then. Goodell did not directly name Kaepernick in the video apology, but his comments were diametrically opposed to those made by the president who defended New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. His apology in a few moments. Breeze's, that is, not the president's. I'm not dealing in fantasy. The Philadelphia Inquirer published a headline in Tuesday's edition, Buildings Matter Too. Quoting the editors, We should not have printed it. We're sorry and regret that we did. We also know that an apology on its own is not sufficient, so we're giving away the paper for the next... No, they didn't say that. The headline accompanied a story on the future of Philadelphia's buildings in the aftermath of this week's protests. In addition to our readers in the Philadelphia community, we apologize to the many employees of the Philadelphia Inquirer whose work selling advertising, printing the paper, and developing Inquirer.com enables our journalism. Finally, we apologize to Inquirer journalists, particularly those of color who express sadness, anger, embarrassment in a two-hour newsroom-wide meeting Wednesday. We hear you and will continue to listen as we work to improve. The Philadelphia Inquirer, ladies and gentlemen. The mayor of Omaha apologized for a Facebook comment at the end of her news conference this week about the end of the city's curfew. Mayor Jean Stothert made a formal apology to the woman she insulted in a Facebook comment on her official page. She admitted to not recognizing the symbols or characters in the Facebook comment as Korean letters. On Facebook the other day, I made a comment that I shouldn't have made. It was inappropriate, and I will apologize. comment was, A Facebook troll who hides behind symbols and doesn't list their name is a coward. Unquote. The uh, person in question was So Yeon Son, a Korean-American. A family in Nebraska adopted her when she was four months old. Says she struggled with her cultural identity for years, and so she used the Korean letters to spell out name. The owners of a eight-mile business in Alabama, Eight Mile Alabama, met with community leaders to apologize for a controversial social media post depicting Black Lives Matter protesters being run over by a truck. One owner of Lil Brian's Produce Market posted a meme on Facebook that said, All Lives Splatter! 
and mocked protesters being run over. Protesters who saw the post began chanting outside the store in Eight Mile. Brian and Sandy Elliott, owner of Lil Brian's Produce Market, met with community leaders. They apologized, said their son, who runs the store, was the person who posted the controversial meme. We want to earn your trust back. That's what we're here for. And our son wants to make it right, and he will, said Sandy Elliott. The Elliotts said their son didn't show up for the meeting because he fears for his safety. What's the matter with you, son? Come on, get out of there. Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan apologized to local journalists, which were targeted by police while covering the protests. Duggan apologized during a press conference Monday with community leaders held to address the ongoing unrest. They had a lot of courage to be on the other side of the police line with the protesters, and I apologize to you, he said, speaking about reporters from the two local papers. They have two local papers in Detroit, and they're complaining. The One reporter from the Detroit News was filming an arrest when she was handcuffed. She identified herself and told the officer she had credentials. She was detained briefly. And the restaurant critic and dining reporter for the Free Press said he got charged by a Detroit officer as he was putting his goggles on to protect against the tear gas they shot, knocked my hat off my head, and phone out of my hands. Enemies of the people, huh? Part one of the Apologies of the Week, copyrighted feature of this broadcast, and now... Somebody else got Zoom-bombed this week. Four people sounding like teenage boys. You know how they sound. They sound like this. Hijacked a recent community development board meeting on Zoom in Stewart, Florida. In less than two minutes, the boys yelled a racial slur at least seven times and drew a swastika and sexual image on the screen. While I was going on, the board chairman, Frank Waka, calling in via Zoom, asked, Is there something we can do here? Yeah, don't use Zoom. City Attorney Mike Mortel explained to the audience, including two black city residents, This is what you read about at the Zoom meetings being hijacked. Waka said the teens, they ought to be hijacked. Board member Nathan Ritchie lamented that it's a rough world we're living in, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's a smart world with people smart enough to use Zoom. By the time the city manager was able to regain online control of the meeting, 90 seconds later, the room fell silent. Are we back in business, the chairman asked, then offering, we're good, all right. They were there to discuss grants for certain downtown businesses intended to beautify the city and increase property values. Okay, well, that's serving the public interest. Um, And... Another Zoom bombing goes into the book, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a smart, smart world we're living in. And now, some news of the godly coming at you. The Reverend Gerald Sudol spent decades serving in North New Jersey Catholic parishes. He allegedly began abusing children even before he was ordained as a priest. That's getting a a jump on things. Pardon the expression. This is from the New Jersey Herald, by the way. Later, he moved from one church to another. Not that line. 
Later, he moved from one church to another, at first injecting new life into parishes, where he'd been assigned, that's from them, befriending families and becoming a spiritual mentor to their sons. Then, the man, who's fondly known as Father Jerry, would allegedly abuse boys sexually, sometimes more than one at a time, and tell them that God would punish them if they told anybody. He continued working as a priest for decades after a woman told her pastor in 1992 that he had abused her son. The Newark Catholic Archdiocese had known about that allegation since at least 1996, yet as late as 2018, he lived in a Jersey City parish that included a grammar school. Is that a nutty coincidence or what? Three lawsuits filed in May, along with interviews and examination of court records, church records, shed new light on Sudal's alleged behavior over the decades and highlight the response of archdiocesan leaders. The lawsuits say Sudal ab- abused young boys at parishes in Wellington, Nutley, and Ridge- Ridgefield Park. Just last year, the Newark Archdiocese public revealed he'd been permanently removed from ministry because of multiple cre- credible allegations of sexual abuse. That was at least the second time he'd been taken out of ministry because of such allegations. He was removed in 2002 amidst a national scandal involving priests abusing children. But three years later, he was acquitted in a church trial, and so he was restored. He moved out of a Jersey City parish two years ago when the Archdiocese investigated new allegations made by three men from the St. Francis of Assisi Parish. I refer to him by his gangland name, Frankie Animals. That was in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Decades, they say. They go by so fast. News of the godly. And now one more thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try Sorry to talk over the singing, it's so damn good. But this is a an example, if you ever needed one, of the essential hubris that is at the center of Let Us Try, United States Army Corps of Engineers. The conservation groups, five of them to be exact, have sued the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, claiming the agency is wreaking havoc with the Mississippi River. The National Wildlife Federation, American Rivers, Prairie Rivers Network, Missouri Coalition for the Environment and Great Rivers Habitat Alliance filed a lawsuit. Here's their complaint. They're challenging the core environmental impact statement for the Regulating Works Project, which guides the agency's management of a southern Illinois segment of the Mississippi River. The Army Corps has constructed hundreds of miles of river training structures. They're training the Mississippi River, ladies and gentlemen. They alter the river's flow. The lawsuit contends the structures, which include wing dikes, Bendway weirs and chevrons have increased flood height by up to 15 feet in some locations and 6 to 8 feet in broad sections of the middle Mississippi. This is like every time you, and this is, um, by the way, 
I'm rereading John Barry's remarkable book about the 1927 Mississippi River flood called Rising Tide. And it's clear that it's been known since the 1800s that if you constrict a body of running water, if you bring in its banks or otherwise, or raise ridges in its um, channel, you're going to speed up the flow of water. That's like not, that's not breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, but the Corps apparently is ignoring it. The plans were not thought through, say one of the plaintiffs, were demanding the Corps develop an adequate environmental impact statement and do mitigation for their operations and maintenance on the river. She's referring to the training of the river. The agency failed to properly evaluate the risk of increased flooding from the additional river training structures, say the groups, and it did not adequately adequately consider the effects of altering the river's course on fish, breeds, and other wildlife. The Army Corps of Engineers, when asked for a comment, said nothing. They didn't even try. And now back to thoughts about some other officials.
sitting in a pile of apologies as big as the pile of used tear gas canisters at a protest. This is the show, and I'm going to uh, advance a theory here. Uh, a lot of people have theories about <laughs> President Trump. Um, mine's kind of simple. I think that's fitting. Um, it's based on behavior that's familiar to any parent of a five-year-old. It's called Major Look. And um, this week that theory was in full dis- on full display. There was the remarkable incident on Monday when reportedly at the instruction of Attorney General Bill Barr, although he later denied that it was his instruction, the uh, demonstration area, the, the protest area around Lafayette, in, in Lafayette Park near the White House was cleared with tear gas and rubber bullets so that the pre- <laughs> president could make maybe the oddest televised appearance any president, any official, any biped has ever made. Walked, he did, from the White House now through the newly cleared park, accompanied by Mike Pence, the vice president, and Attorney General Barr, and a couple of military guys, to stand in front of a church that had been burned recently, a church that's seen its share of American presidents. It's right across the street from the White House, for goodness sake. For God's sake. Might as well. And held aloft a Bible, did the president. (laughs) And when he was asked, is that your Bible? His response was, it's a Bible. Didn't say anything. Just stood there, first with with his own self and then asking others to join for uh, later shots and then walked back. That was it. That was the moment. It later reappeared in a video cobbled together by the White House uh, with inspiring music in the background, perhaps to be used as a campaign document or just to be shown in churches on Sunday. This, by the way, is the same same president who a couple of weeks ago insisted that governors throughout the United States still uh, dealing with how do we reopen from the pandemic, insisted that they reopen their churches the following Sunday uh, when the president himself spent that Sunday playing golf. So he cares. Um, but back to made you look. It was almost impossible to ignore a moment later in the week, l- numbers had come out on t- Thursday that indicated, contrary to what uh, economists had predicted, because they're really scientists, that um, there was going to be nearly 20% unemployment with the new jobs report. Uh, the indication was that the I- unemployment rate was now back down a little bit from 15 to 13% because of the, all the new jobs added mostly to workers who happen to be white. The uh, jobless numbers for uh, African-Americans and Latinos continued to go up, strangely enough. But as he was celebrating the good news, (laughs) the president said that uh, 
George Floyd must be looking down and having a good day because this was such good news for African Americans. He actually said that. So he, you see, he does believe in heaven. By that point, reaction had uh, poured in to the Monday event, most particularly from the president's first secretary of defense, James Mattis, who had resigned about a year and a half ago over disagreement with the the, uh, intent, not ever fully realized, to withdraw all American troops from Syria, who excoriated Trump in a uh, statement to The Atlantic magazine, not to be confused with The Pacific magazine, because that doesn't exist, uh, followed by concurring statements from other military officials involved earlier on with the administration, like former Chief of Staff at the White House, John Kelly. And there was still blowback from the preceding weekend when reportedly the president had been hurried by the Secret Service down to a bunker at the White House when uh, somebody thought, ooh, these protests are scary. Um, The story later floated by the White House was he was only inspecting the bunker. He wasn't really hanging there. So you people who are giving him the uh, hashtag bunker boy, you just stop it. A memorable, watchable week indeed. This week, for the first time, there's incoming from the outgoing. And for the businessman turned chief executive, the question isn't whom can you trust? It's what's this trust thing? Bill. Mr. President, all in all, a good week. You looked strong. You looked religious. So I think the messaging was a bullseye, if you pardon the gun metaphor, which I think I know you will. Bill, you're a terrific attorney general. But you're BSing a BSer. That's a loser move. I know. I tried that once on Mayor Koch. He called me a pathetic pisher from Queens. I'll never forget it. From the mouth of a gay Jew yet. I'm not sure I know what a pisher is. Ah, some made-up word. Mm. Look, Bill, the main thing is we own the Law & Order brand. I mean, we couldn't own it more if we actually bought it from the Nixon estate, which I'm glad we didn't because many people tell me that they were impossible to negotiate with. I think the good news, sir, we've associated you firmly with a sizable contingent of Americans who, if they see more than half a dozen African Americans in the street and they're not shooting a hip-hop video, they're convinced that something's really wrong with the country. Bill... Ever since I told my good friend Don King we couldn't be photographed in public anymore, I've owned those people. Mm. But okay, I'm reassociated. But the thing is this. Yeah. In the very friggin' week that I gave a boost to the military, the likes of which nobody has ever seen, along come these uniform jerks, and they start taking pot shots at my ass from behind our own lines. I thought it was a disappointing display of disloyalty, sir. You're dissing him, right? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, Mattis, right? Mm. We were supposed to call him Mad Dog. You know what I call him? No, sir, but I... Sick Puppy, right? Yeah, I, I saw how you kept it within the same genus as... Right? Oh, absolutely right. Open and shut. Okay. Now, there's files on him, right? 
Well, I presume the military keeps meticulous files, but there are some protocols. There's nothing. That's what many people tell me, guys I talk to at night who have no reason to BS me. They say, of course we can get those files because there's sure to be something rotten in there. And we heave it at them like nothing's ever been heaved before. You know what, Bill? That's your task for this week. Mm -hmm. Him and General Allen Mm -hmm. and General Kelly Mm -hmm. and all the other dopes in uniform who never learned that loyalty to your commanding officer is forever like friggin' diamonds. Can you do it? Well, of course, I'll have to liaise with Defense Secretary Esper. I'm sure he has to sign off What's the matter, Bill? You think I called you by mistake? If I didn't have Tucker Carlson yelling in my ear every night about not doing it, Mr. Esper would already be secretary of nothing. Can you do it? You. Why you, you? No problem, sir. Should be fun. And, Bill, Mm. no walking this back next week and saying, oh, you didn't really order it, right? That's... A Pisha move. Got it. Mike. Mike, my blessed Mike. Oh, Mr. President, never have I been prouder to humble myself in your service. This is the week when we've seen the metal of the man, and he is... I love it, Mike, but I'm late with my tweets. So look, your team has a task this week, and by your team I mean you, because the rest of your people are stone-cold losers, right? Well... I regret to say that some of them can't make it all the way up to the mountaintop. Some of the people around here can't even see the friggin' mountain, believe me. Oh, I do believe you, sir. It's okay. I didn't mean that literally. Like, take the Attorney General. Bill? (laughs) I know we're on different teams, sir, but he has my utmost respect for his... For what? For pussying out on the clearing of the plaza for my photo op? (laughs) You see the video they made of me at the church? That was like some John Williams music they threw on there. It's like swelling and soaring and swooping until you could swear a Wookiee was coming out of that church. It was rather compelling, sir. I I think something was in my eye when I saw it, and I'm, I'm pretty darn sure it was a tear. Wow. Even for me, you lay it on a little thick. Look, Mike, Bill is going to dig up some dirt on a couple of loudmouth generals, you know, some damaging crap from their military files. That's an excellent response, sir. I, I doubt that Messrs. Mattis and Kelly were come out of this month with their more righteous-than-thou attitude fully. Right, right. But in the meantime, here's your task. Mm -hmm. Make sure you request and get all the paperwork surrounding what the Attorney General is doing. Well, I'm quite sure, knowing the military, that everything is down in triplicates. Something like this, it may not even be in one plicate, but whatever's there, get it here. Uh, Yes, sir, with an eye to... Bill tries to duck out from under this one, he'll have the fake news all over his butt for some civil liberties crap, Right. I think I'm seeing your point, sir. Forget my point. See the papers and send them here. I don't think I've ever had a higher honor than carrying out this task, sir. Okay, save the speeches. Oh, here's your Bible back. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make religion great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Apresidentus. This week, it's got to be reality. Because who could write this stuff? We're the thin blue line, and we keep getting thinner. If you watch us work, work you might lose your dinner. Because we don't take squat from nobody or his mother. One meeting with us, and you won't need another. Like a brother we find on the side of the street. We're beat cops, so we tenderize his meat. Give him ten of our best just for being out late. Give him ten or 
president of the posse, you can call me Sarge. When the rubber hits the road, I'm the officer in charge. Love to see kicking heavy night sticking, blood thick and pulse quicken, and my rep get large. My badge number's high, I'm the rookie of the crew. But you'll think that I'm experienced if I run into you. I'll put you in a chokehold, infect you with my head cold. Some are bad, but I'm bold and beautiful, too. I got a wife and kids, call me family man. But I can beat you to a pole, better than anybody else. Can my partners think I'm crazy? You know I'm not. I love to leave them hazy and ready for the trash can. Attitude! Cops with attitude! Where's the gratitude for cops with attitude? We're always on the lookout for bunnies and beaners. If we don't like your looks, we'll take you to the cleaners. Rearrange your face, make your brain go out of space. Put your backbone back in a different place. We don't have to be tough, cause you're already wearing handcuffs. But too much is never enough. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol the third. First, the International Weightlifting Federation, the IWF, has been plagued by decades of corruption orchestrated by autocratic former president Tomas Ajan. That's according to Richard McLaren who led an independent investigation into the govern, governing body of weightlifting. McLaren is a Canadian law professor. His findings four years ago led to Russia being banned from all international athletic competitions, including the Rio Olympics. He told reporters that the IWF was rife with cor- corruption. You can't spell rife with IWF. This included vote-buying, doping cover-ups, and $10.4 million in cash that can't be accounted for. Dude, in the Olympic world, that's chump. Ch- uh, Jean has denied any wrongdoing. 
Quote, I found an organization that had been subject to close to half a century to an autocratic leader who dictated through various control mechanisms everything that occurred within the organization, McLaren said in a Zoom conference, unless it was some teenagers. The Azan, uh, Ajan's obsession with control made it a culture of fear that prevented a vibrant and robust sports administration. We found systemic government failures and corruption at the highest level of the IWF. The port was both scathing and meticulous in detailing the massive scale of corruption within the weightlifting federation. He used the tyranny of cash as his main control mechanism. Who doesn't? The investigation found the primary sources of the cash were doping fines paid personally to Ajahn and withdrawals of large amounts of money from the IWF's accounts, usually made just prior to major competitions. It's absolutely impossible to determine how much of the cash collected or withdrawn was used for legitimate purposes. But, back to the Olympics itself, the IOC is in talks with insurance companies over their desire, the IOC, to be compensated for the postponed games in Tokyo. An open discussion is underway with insurance brokers, says the IOC's operations director, Pierre Ducre. The aim is to, quote, try and find the right level of compensation to help us bear the cost of having to wait another year, he said. I'd go, would you go to the gecko or would you go to the emu? That's it. The IOC pays for insurance against the cancellation of an Olympics, but it's been clear if the policy covers the one-year postponement. They, co- they uh, pay $14.4 million for insuring the Rio Olympics, 12.8 for the Pyeongchang Winter Games. The IOC said last month it set aside $650 million to cover its own potential extra costs for the postponement. Costs for organizers in Japan are expected to reach billions of dollars, and those will, will be covered not by insurance companies, but by taxpayers. Duque said retaining the Olympic Village for another year was problem number one. The complex of more than 5,600 apartments in Tokyo Bay is a fundamental piece of being able to deliver the games, said Duque. About 25% of the apartments have been pre-sold to people who will move in after the Olympics are over, and those buyers are set to receive some compensation for having to wait an additional year. And in Tokyo, public officials and staffers of the committee say they expect the games to be streamlined and simplified. But it's still a movement, a simplified movement, and we all need one every couple of days. And now... Part two of our Apologies of the Week, starting with the four-promised Drew Brees apology. He was being interviewed this week, the former star of the New Orleans Saints, quarterback, future Hall of Famer. He was asked about former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who took that famous knee, and the potential of protests during the upcoming NFL season. They're going to play some football. Breeze responded, well, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. And he went on in that vein, following a day of backlash from current and former teammates, celebrities, not me, and other sports superstars, he issued an apology. I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, the NFL community, and anyone I hurt with my comments yesterday. In speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused. 
He called his comments insensitive and claimed to have completely missed the mark on the issues we're facing right now as a country. He said he would never know what, it mean, what it's like to be a black man, but will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. Isn't it about a, that's an unquote, that's unquote. Isn't it about a time for a reboot of Black Like Me? You know, maybe Ryan Seacrest? Uh, I don't know. Dateline Seattle, Washington State Patrol has apologized for the poor choice of words used by a team, mem- team leader who was recorded telling troopers as they prepared for possible confrontation at a protest in Seattle. Quote, don't kill them, but hit them hard, unquote. The video was posted on Twitter by uh, executive director of Seattle Pride. The video has gone viral, of course. In a statement, Washington State Patrol says, We became aware of the video soon after it was posted last evening and apologized immediately. We continue to apologize for the poor choice of words by one of our team leaders preparing his troopers for a possibly confrontational situation and recognize the hurt and confusion it has caused. The team leader was doing his best in the heat of confrontation to create a mental environment for his troopers where they could do a push maneuver. The statement continues to say, As disappointed as we are that a word choice might obscure that work, we are proud of how our agency and others have worked to protect the rights of free speech and peaceful demonstration throughout this unprecedented period. Well, they're sorry, but they're proud. I think they're more proud than sorry. After Boston University President Robert Brown suffered sharp criticism for a mild email he sent on Monday in response to the killings of black people and subsequent protests, Brown issued a second strongly worded letter that apologized for the first and condemned racism and police brutality. The head coach of the Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio, son of Juan Manuel, who knows, who is that? Uh, has apologized for saying during a Zoom press conference Tuesday that he doesn't see racism or discrimination in the NFL. Or maybe it was a kid. Fangio addressed the matter to his players and coaches during a team meeting, then issued a statement in which he admitted he had made a mistake while also apologizing to the NFL and Broncos fans and followers. I realize what I said regarding racism and discrimination in the NFL was wrong. I understand that many players, coaches, and staff have different perspectives. I should have been more clear. And I am sorry. Leah Michelle has apologized an apology, has issued an apology after Glee co-star Samantha Marie Ware accused her of creating a bad work environment on the set of the show. The exchange began after Michelle posted a message on social media. George Floyd did not deserve this. This was not an isolated incident, and it must end, she wrote. Ware responded to that tweet and wrote, she'll never forget the way she felt Michelle treated her during their time working together on Glee, calling it a living hell. I'll never forget, I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would crap in my wig, amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in Hollywood, Ware tweeted. Baby, (laughs) there's a lot more reason... Michelle's partnership with HelloFresh was terminated by the company following Ware's comments. Michelle said she doesn't remember ever making this specific statement, whether it was my privileged position and perspective that caused me to be perceived as insensitive or inappropriate at times, or whether it was just my immaturity and me just being unnecessarily difficult. I apologize for my behavior and for any pain which I may have caused, which I have caused. We can all grow and change. And I've definitely used these past several months to reflect on my own shortcomings. I'll be better 
in the future from this experienced experience. Simi Valley, California City Council member Mike Judge, the other Mike Judge, apologized for a Facebook meme he shared earlier this week about using septic tank trucks on rioters. Pressure increased for his resignation. On his personal Facebook page, Judge shared an image with the words, Want to stop the riots? Mobilize the septic tank trucks and put a pressure cannon on them. Hose them down. The end. Judge captioned the post with, This is brilliant. It will also enforce the mask rule. Everybody's a comedian. Judge, who is white, is also a 30-year veteran of the Los Angeles Police Department. da 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 Dateline Syracuse, New York. The mayor and police chief of Syracuse have both apologized to a news photographer who was shoved to the ground by a police officer during a street protest May 30th. Mayor Ben Walsh and Chief Kenton Buckner said they regret the incident in which a 60-year-old veteran journalist suffered minor injuries and and a broken camera while reporting on the protest. I personally apologize to him, said the mayor. Personally. It was not our intention to knock him to the ground or prevent him from doing a very important job. Buckner said there was no intention that photographer Dennis Nett was impeding officers. Police officials are still investigating the incident to determine whether the officer who pushed him was at fault. What do you think they're going to decide? Gee, I can't imagine. And finally, Deadline Philadelphia, Philadelphia man who served 30 years behind bars for the 1988 murder of a four-year-old girl was set free Friday. The federal, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office said he is likely innocent. I'm sorry it took 28 years for us to listen to what Barbara Jean, the mother of the murdered child, was trying to tell us that you are innocent, said an assistant DA with the Philadelphia DA office. She gave that apology to Walter Ogrod and his family, as well as to the family of the four-year-old girl during a virtual court hearing on Zoom. Or maybe it was a teenage kid. We're not only, we not only stole 28 years of your life, but we threatened to execute you based on falsehoods. The judge ordered a new trial in the case, citing evidence of police misconduct, including two false confessions, as well as prosecutorial misconduct that led to his conviction and a death sentence that are being overturned. District Attorney Larry Krasner thanked the Conviction Integrity Unit and apologize to Ogron and his family. On behalf of this office, I apologize to Walter Ogron and his family. I hope he will soon be officially declared innocent of this horrendous crime, making him the 13th individual to be exonerated under my administration, Krasner said. I'm happy he's getting out of prison and will be able to go start his life, said the mother of Barbara Jean. She said they had been lied to when the murder happened. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was for a totally different reason. Um, kind of a landmark week for me. This, uh, I ended my self-isolation for a part of one day. Went to the recording studio to work on a, a record. They still have those of songs you may have heard on this show over the last few years. All sung in the voice of <laughs> President Trump. Coming soon. Check it out. It, it, it was worth leaving the house for. That's it for this edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same station, or on your audio device of choice, whenever. And it'd be just like this leading to something important. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk. And thanks to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this program, you can contact me. Also, the playlist of the music heard here on and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Don't ask me why. At the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. Stay safe and so long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>